We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. How's everybody doing? All right. That's important. <laughs> what is it? Well, that's the way it's been for the last year. I don't, what's the change? Except you're dealing with children. And I'm going to leave that alone. Exodus chapter 17. Yes, sir. Exodus chapter 17. We're going to begin with verse 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up on top of the hill. It came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on one side, one, one on one side, the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Verse 13, And Joshua dis- discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword, And the Lord said unto Moses, write for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek uh, from under heaven. Life that you and I are living is a war. It is a war. We're involved in a war. The war we're in is is a struggle of flesh. The war we're in is a struggle against the world. The war we're in is a struggle against evil. Uh, And so we have to understand, uh, most people that are fighting this war, and and to be honest with you, we think of the church as being in war, but all humanity is in a war. All humanity, not just the church. But that's why you see some of the crazy stuff you see. But we have to understand this war is not physical. We hear that over and over, and yet we repeat the same things over and over. We get in physical fights in this spiritual war, and, and that's useless. It's useless to fight physical when it's a spiritual war. We, even today, many Christians m- miss this point. Let's get narrow it to the church. The world won't really understand the spiritual side of it, but as Christians, we should understand that, th- that this is a spiritual war, and the battles that I have and the battles that you have are spiritual battles. They manifest themselves in the flesh, right? That's, that's what we see. And because these things manifest themselves in the flesh, then we try to reverb and attack it in the flesh when we've got to understand that uh, the, even though the flesh is our enemy, that, that's not where the war is. Even though the world's our enemy, that's not where the war The war is in spirit. Listen, no person will ever exceed, they'll ever be greater than their own prayer life. 
You're, you're never, it doesn't matter how much word you put into yourself. If you don't combine prayer with word, you're never going to exceed. Why is that? Why would you never exceed? Why would you never be greater than your own prayer life? Okay. Prayer is where you get a connection with God. There are people that have read this Bible through and through and through, but they never talk to God about it. Prayer is, is and you're never going to exceed. If you're, if you're in a battle right now and you can't seem to overcome in that battle, check your prayer life. Just check your prayer life because you will exceed per your prayer life. If you have no prayer life, that's why you're having so many struggles and battles. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like a seesaw. Doctors tell you to be healthy, you have to have a balanced diet. Bal not that you have to eat but you have to have a balanced diet. Your diet's balanced with things. It's the same thing in Christianity. If we're not balancing it, you know, again, uh, prayer is the very nature of, of weaponry and spirit. Prayer is our conversation with God. You know, you've, in the military, military groups don't just go out and do something. They have to be in contact with those that are in authority, and there's a reason for that. Those in authority have more information. The guy that's the boot guy, the private that has the gun that just got out of boot camp doesn't have all the information that the general has. The general has information that can save that private's life. You know, one of the things about the Marine Corps is they make you want to eat your guts and ask for more. That, that's how they are. They're, they're, they're very, they train a person to just, re I'm ready to fight. Get, get me out of this camp so I can go kill somebody. That's how the Marine Corps trains their people. But if you just turn them loose, they might kill the wrong people. They might kill each other. They might go to the wrong place. They've got to have instruction. It's important. And it's the same. That's why prayer is vital. You're never going to exceed unless you have a good prayer life. You'll only exceed as you have a good prayer life and balance it with word. So our faith comes through prayer. And listen, let me, let me just say this. If you fail in prayer, you're going to fail everywhere else. If you're not praying, don't, don't, you're going to fail everywhere else. Because you've got to have a constant communication with God about what's going on. Moses was about to turn the nation of Israel over to Joshua, the mighty general of, of his army. And so Moses wasn't going to be allowed to enter the promised land, as we know, because of his disobedience. So, so his calling ends as a great deliverer. I mean, that's how he was known. That's the end of his calling. Joshua's calling is going to be the one that leads into promised land. So his calling is different. Ephesians 6 tells us that we struggle, we're in a struggle, we're in a war, and in this war, we all have a part, every one of us. Nobody is not subject to being in the war. We all have a part in the war. Every single one that's in this room, you have a part, a position in the war. And don't forget that war 
the difficulty that's in war because difficulty in war is inevitable. No one's ever fought a war where they went in and, and they didn't lose a person. They didn't lose a soldier. They didn't lose uh, armory. They didn't lose. Wars are made up of battles. Wars are made up of battles. Battles here, battle there. The object is to win the battle, right? Just because you lose the battle, though, doesn't mean you lose the war. But if you win all the battles but lose the war, what have you accomplished? So we're all in battles, right? And so we have to understand that about ourselves, that every one of us in the church have different battles that we're fighting. We're all involved in those. And so when we look at this, the Amalekites uh, were ready to attack and did attack Israel at, at Rephraim. So Moses had Joshua choose certain men to fight the Amalekites. Amalekites. Let me see if I can slow down. He said, listen, when you go out tomorrow and you fight these people, I'm going to go stand on the hill. You ever wonder why sometimes someone tells you to do something, they go and watch what you do? Does it aggravate you? Does it, you know, I remember as a kid, I never could understand. My dad would say, you know, all right, go pick, you boys go pick all these sticks up and you go do all this stuff and, and okay, well, you're going to help us? Or show? No, you just go do it. And that used to aggravate me because if he wants me to do it, he should, be, you know, but here's the deal. My dad was far above me in knowledge about what was about to happen. I was just the stick picker upper. So were my bro- we were just picked. There was a reason he was having us, and he didn't have to tell us the reason. He didn't have to tell us that if I run over this with a mower, it's going to tear up my mower. He just said, go pick up the sticks. And, and, and so understand that God said, okay, go, go get this army together, and y'all go fight. Y'all go fight. Moses said, go get it. I'm going to go stand on the hill. So here's the deal. Given the choice, neither Moses nor Joshua, neither one wanted to fight. They didn't really want to fight. They, they wanted peace. And that's the kind of way it is in Christianity. We really don't want to fight, do we? We really would like to live in peace. But the problem is we're in a war, and so when there's war, there's not peace, right? So we have to understand that. Uh, we have to realize that we're involved in this war, spiritual, and God is calling you to fight. The Alaskan bull moose. I don't know if you've ever watched the National Geographic deals. The Alaskan bull moose, once a year, uh, every year, in the fall, in the time of breeding season, they always have a battle. And so what it is is that if you've ever watched them, these, these Alaskan bull moose, they, will, they have these big, huge horns, and so they will just at full force, force butt heads with these horns. And they were, and it's it's actually fun to watch if you want you know watch how they battle and all that, but oftentimes the 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 one with the smaller antlers is the the antlers break because there's such a powerful impact in, in what they're doing. Uh, the larger moose usually wins. It's usually the one that's got the bigger girth and bulk and the bigger horns. They, you know they're they're stronger. They always triumph. But here's the deal: the victory for that bull moose is is not. Uh, assured in the fall the victory is actually assured in the summer before the fall why is that because the moose that continually eats what they're supposed to eat in their diet actually grows bigger their their antlers get larger and so what they eat and what they diet on during the summer you could be a 20 year old bull moose but if you eat wrong the young bull moose is going to come in if he's eating right and take over your herd 
And so what you diet on is very important in the summer to make sure that when you get to the fight in the fall, you're ready. Uh, those that have eaten inadequately usually have weaker antlers and they're less bulk and, you know, they're in for a loss. And that's what spiritual warfare is about. It's, it's about what you eat in the summer to prepare for the fight, the battle. And, you know, a lot of times <laughs> we wait till the battle starts and then we run to God for help. And it's not that God won't help. But God's expectation for us as we're in a war is that we prep ourselves for what's coming. Well, I don't know what's coming in my life. Well, then maybe you ought to prep yourself in everything. Maybe I don't know. I might be having a financial shit. Well, strip, prep yourself in that. Well, I don't know, but I might have a spiritual. Prep yourself for that. Well, I, you know, I don't know, but I might there. I might a disease might hit me. Prep yourself for that. Be ahead. Of, be ahead of the game. How do I do that? You prep yourself in prayer. You prep yourself in word. You prep yourself in involvement. And in involvement. You know, at boot camp, they don't just sit you around a table and tell you, okay. So here's what you do. You pull the bolt action back and you push it back in. And, and that gun will go off. Now, it makes a loud noise, so you've got to be ready for it. They don't do that. You know what they do? They put you out on a field with a target, and you, you shoot that. Why is that? Why do you think they do that? Say again? Get used to it. You get used to the sound. You get used to the, the, the butt of the gun. You get used to where, you know, if I point here, well, I miss the target, so I need to get down the side. You get used to it. You learn how to use that weapon. Do you know what the military teaches you who your best friend is in war? Your weapon. That's your best friend. Your second one is the guy next to you. He's your second best friend, but he's not your best friend. Your best friend is your weapon. And understand that about being your best friend is your weapon in war. It's your weapon in war. It's prayer. And, and you don't wait till war happens to learn how to shoot the gun. What's going to happen? Bad, bad news, right? Faith, strength, and wisdom are all developed before you need them. You, you have to develop faith. You have to develop strength. And all those things are developed before you have to use them. You've got to have this, this bull moose approach. I'm going to eat as much as I can, and I'm going to eat the right stuff so that when it got, comes time, the breeding time of the herd, and some other dude bull comes in and he wants to take over my herd, not happening. Because you know what's going to happen. You know what, what the devil would like to do? He'd like to come in and take over your herd. That's, the devil wants to butt heads with you, and he wants to take over your herd. He wants to take over what is yours. And, and that's what prayer and word study is. It's, it's healthy prayer. and You know, you hear this from pastors all the time. Pray, pray, pray. Read the word, read the word. There's a reason we keep saying that and keep saying that. It's not that we don't think you're doing it. It's that we want to remind you that it's very important to continue on to keep strengthening yourself because the one summer you decide you're going to take that summer off will be the one fall when you have the worst battle of your life. That's why you never take a summer off in God. You never retire in God. You never vacation in God. You never take a holiday in God. It's constant because God knows what's coming your way. He knows what's coming your way. Let me say this. Don't, don't get bogged down in disappointment. One of the things we do when we lose a battle in Christianity is we get bogged down in it. Well, I should have done this. Why didn't I do this? Why did I say that? Why did I go there? Why did I read that? Why did I watch that? Why did I say that to that person? Why did I do this thing? And we get bogged down in it. 
It's a battle. I understand something about, listen, I want everybody to listen to this because it's very important for you. Understand that you're going to have many, many battles. And in every war, there are many, many battles. And in every war, there are battles won, battles lost, and then there's arbitration in the middle. In every war, there's going to be battles you're going to win. If you're foolish enough to think you're going to win every battle in this war, then you need to come off the foolish hill. There's going to be times when you have failure that doesn't end it for you in the war. You just get back up, put your boots back on, load your gun, and go right back in the fight. Don't get stuck in what happened. Too many of us get stuck, and we got to, you know, we got to talk to this person about it, and we got to tell this person about it, and we got, you know, listen, tell your war story and get, get move on. Tell your war. If, if you knocked every one of the enemy out, tell the war story. Well, we all need to build each other up. Man, you know, the devil came against me last week, popped him in the eye. He didn't know what to do. We had victory. Uh, you know what? Last week, I, I had a fa- we, we like to talk about the first ones, don't we? When we pop him in the eye. We don't like to talk about the ones where he pops us in the eye, though, because it's failure to us. In every failure, we serve the God of triumph. The war you're in and the side you're on is that you serve the God of triumph. So even in your failure, you still triumph. You still triumph. Because you learn in that failure to move forward. Where you don't triumph is when you get bogged. Don't get bogged down in your failures. Move on from your failures. How many of you remember? Well, let's just, let me just say it this way and I'll move on. We, we remember more and learn more and gain more wisdom out of our failures than we do our victories. Our victories are short-lived. But our failures are long-lasting up here. And we learn from them. So understand this, there is a triumph in that. You know, I, I learned something a long time ago. Never go up to the little guy and pick a fight with him. The one that's quiet and sits there and d- doesn't say anything. The guy that's big and big mouth, you can take him all day long. Learned that the hard way, but you can take him all day long. The one you got to be careful of is the little guy that sits in the corner that never says a word. He's going to hurt you. I found that out the hard way. Let me move on. The Amalekites were descendants of Amalek, the grandson of Esau. You see, you see how this is playing out. They lived in the northern part of, of Egypt. And as you know, the Israelites are wandering through the northern part of Egypt. So it's only a matter of time before the Israelites are going to cross paths with the Amalekites. It's just a matter of time before you cross paths with your enemy. we're walking through this life, we're wandering through this life, it's only a matter of time. Man, I'm glad I've never had that problem. Don't say that. Just don't say it, because here it comes. It's just a matter of time. And so you prepare yourself, and you know that it's going to happen. Here's the thing about the Amalekites. They were very cowardly people. Their method of war was to attack from the rear where all the women and children were, and destroy as many as possible, and then run off and hide, and come back the next day and try it again. That's how they fought their wars. That's cowardly. That's what the devil, listen, the devil's cowardly. He goes after the weak. He goes after those that are struggling. The devil's cowardly. Understand that about him. Recognize that about him. And understand that, that, that that's who you're fighting. You're fighting a coward. Well, if he was a coward, he wouldn't come and fight. No. He comes and fights in a way in a cowardly way. 
that makes him cowardly. The Amalekites, again, uh, they represent the spiritual warfare that we're involved in. When you read the story about the Amalekites, in spiritual warfare, be ready for a cowardly attack. The devil is going to get you from the rear. That's where he's coming from. He's going to attack you where you're not looking, where you're weak. He's going to attack you in the place where he sees a gap or an opening or a small rather than a battle. That's where he's going to come. The devil knows your armor is designed. The devil knows the full armor of God better than you do. The devil knows the full armor of God better than you do. And he knows that on the full armor of God, there's nothing in the back. There's nothing in the back, nothing to protect your back. Because as God's people and God's army, we move forward. And the devil knows that. So he wants to surprise you from behind. But here's what you got to remember about the full armor of God. God put everything in front because God has your back. God's, you know, you're better off in the back now if you put on the armor of God because this can be a warfare and a fight, but this is never going to be. Enemy's never going if if to, if you put on the armor of God, God's got your back. You don't have to worry about the enemy coming from your back. Now the only place is, who does he want to fight, God or you? Who's the enemy want to fight, God or you? You every day. Never wants to fight God. He knows that's a losing deal altogether. So now all he can do is come from the front since God's got your back. And so if he comes from the front and you've got the whole armor of God, what, what, what's his, well, it's time to run and fight another day. That's what the preparation about being ready in war is. Again, the full armor of God. Difficulties are like storms, aren't they? You see them coming. It's regrettable sometimes that you see them coming, but it's inevitable. You're going to have difficulties. It's inevitable. Understand, so everybody's looking forward to uh, January 1, 2021. This has been such a difficult year that people think that December the 31st, 2020, and January 1st, 2021, there's going to be a to- something's going to happen at midnight that's totally going to change everything. That is the talk and the, the scuttle that's going around with people right now. You know, you're just moving into another day. But you know what? The war's the same. The fight's the same. As a matter of fact, get ready because... The enemy's going to turn up the heat. Enemy's going to turn up the heat. It's going to happen. Be ready. Difficulty's coming. It's okay, though. Armor of God. God's got you back. You fight from the front. Put on the whole armor of God. Uh, One of the things, of the very few, that you can be proud of Pastor Don for is this. Pastor Don made the decision not to take the PPP deal, the money from the government, to help us along, many this, this is not a pat on my back. This is just the wisdom of God. It's not a pat on my back at all. It's understanding God's principle. But there are many churches did. They they took you know there were churches that took several hundred thousands. There are some churches that took millions. And so what's going to happen this next year under the new realm and new reign is this: this person that took this money is going to be in the pulpit speaking about sin that is not right, and the government's going to give them a phone call. Listen, we, we gave you some money. You can't be talking like that. This is what you can say. But you, you can't be talking that kind of stuff. After all, we gave you that money. Now, if you want to talk that stuff, give us the money back. That money gone. Yeah. It's gone. Man, people have remodeled their churches. <laughs> I know some that have done it. 
remodel the churches, new parking lots, got new sound systems, all that money's gone. But we didn't take that, and there's a reason. Because we're not going to have any government entity tell us what we can and can't preach in this church. It's not going to happen. We're going to preach the unadulterated Word of God. We're going to teach the unadulterated Word of God. And if it's sin, it's sin. If it's wrong, it's wrong. We don't try to get in the pulpit and hammer it, you know, like in the old days. I mean, it was like every Sunday. Maybe Pastor Don does it every other Sunday or whatever. Uh, some of you think I'm, sometimes I'm too hard. But it's, it's, it, listen, God's Word is God's Word. If, it says, if, if God said it's wrong to do this, it's wrong to do this. And we don't want anybody. But listen, that, that's going to be an attack on the church next year. Get ready. Get ready. Some of your friends are going to say, well, my pastor sure has calmed it down. It's because he's been told to calm it down. We have to understand that we have to be wise to what the enemy wants to do in our life. That's what war is about. Be wise to what the enemy wants to do. Listen, the Amalekites didn't care if Israel was looking for war or not. They came to fight. The Amalekites came to start a war with them. They didn't, they didn't care if Israel, they didn't care if Israel wanted peace. The Amalekites said, well, we're going to start the fight. So, you know, you've got to be ready. You know, and, and let's understand this. Moses was past prime time for fighting. Moses was a little too old to be out fighting and be in the battlefield. He was past that. So what does he do? He takes, the young, he takes Joshua and he says, listen, you are in your prime for fighting. So you get together some men. You get this army together. And I'm going to stand on the hill and I'm going to hold up God's rod. And so... Moses and Joshua had already seen God do some miraculous things, hadn't they? They had together seen God part a sea. They had, they had seen God do the, a cloud and a pillar of fire and a rock and all this stuff they had already seen. So the things of the past that they had seen God do gave Moses the belief that God was going to do it again. So here's what's going to happen, Joshua. You're going to go out and fight them, and I'm going to stand on the hill with the rod of God, and we're just going to believe. Because what, what did Moses lift when the, the seed parted? So what was he about to do? He's about to part an army. He's about to part an army. So listen, the more experiences you – some of us avoid having these kind of experiences with God. Some of us avoid battles. Battles, but but iron sharpens iron, and being battle ready comes when you're battle qualified, and being battle qualified means that you've been battle active. You're not really battle. You can be a brand new boot right out of the cert, right out of the training, but you're not battle qualified. You might be battle ready, but you're not battle qualified. You're not battle qualified till you get into battle, till you 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 shoot a few rounds, you dodge a few. It wasn't a spring chicken. But here's the thing. Moses said, you are the fighter. You are the man. You know, some of you that aren't spring chickens, since you brought that up, <laughs> God says, no, you're the fighter. You're the one that can bring the army together. Yeah, you've got some fight left in you. So let's go get it. 
So you know, we, the more experiences you have in this battle, in battlement, all this, the more experience, the more battle ready you become, but the more battle equipped you become, but the more battle precise you become. You become very intellectual into what the devil, your enemy, wants to do in battle. The, when you learn something about an enemy and you learn the devices of an enemy, then you know how to battle that enemy because you learn how to fight those devices. So understand. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses ordered. Moses, Aaron, and Hur went on to the top of the hill. Joshua may have taken on the Amalekites physically, but understand the battle was not won physically. The battle that day was won spiritually. The reason that Moses went on the hill and raised his rod was he was in prayer to God. He was speaking to God. He, 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 was, he was that in-between for God and God's people. And so understand this. A lot of times we think things are so physical when they're not at all. That battle that day was not physical. It was total spiritual. We're going to see here in a, in a minute just how totally spiritual it really was. We're not called to fight against people, against men. It's, it's so agonizing in the church to see people that want to fight other people inside or outside of the church. That's not our fight. That's not our war. If you're doing that, you're, you're way outside the bounds of where God's leading us. Our war has nothing to do with other people. Well, other people carry the things of the enemy. Someone told me that. Well, the reason I'm fighting that person is because they're a devil's advocate. Really. And so God spoke that in. He sent you a letter or did that person give you a card? I'm the devil's advocate. Or how did you, you know, surmise this answer? And, and what they didn't understand is they themselves became the devil's advocate. They themselves became the devil's advocate. What is an advocate? An advocate. What is an advocate? Say again. A lawyer. What does a lawyer do? Presents a case. Sometimes we fight in the physical and we are presenting the very case that the devil has presented to us. We want to fight back. We're presenting the same case. We want to fight back physically. When that's not the deal, you're going to lose the case. The judge is going to rule against you. Because you're, you're, you're speaking the wrong case. It's a spiritual thing. We, we, we're called to fight evil. And we're called to fight evil whether the evil is saint or sinner. We're called to fight evil whether it's saint or sinner. Oh, I didn't know saints had evil. You might want to get out a bit. You may want to get out of the house. Because evil sometimes gets into the saints. We're called not to fight the saints. We're called to fight the evil that's trying to overcome them. We're not called to fight worldly people. We're called to fight the evil that's causing world people to do what they're doing. Oftentimes, the church wants to fight the world. Is the world the enemy? The world is not the people, but the world is the It's the overall dynamic of what the world presents to our lives. It's not the people. Listen, I'm going to say... Our enemy is not homosexuals. Our enemy is not convicts or thieves. Our enemy is not murderers. Our enemy is not Democrats or Republicans. 
Our enemies are not conservative or liberals. Our enemies aren't atheists, communists, socialists. Our enemies aren't the KKK. They aren't Antifa. They aren't Muslim. They're not even Satan worshipers. None of those are our enemies. Our enemies are the evil that's behind every bit of that. You know, not all of us are perfect here. Uh, yeah, I had to break the news, Bishop. I, I know that's going to devastate the church population. Evil arises in our life. Aren't you glad that God doesn't do to you what he does to evil? Because the evil, he's going to cast into a lake of fire. That's not where you want to be. And God tries to, 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 to bring you out of the evil, to bring you to a higher place. And so we have to be the same way, to bring others out of evil into a higher place. That's what war is about. It's not about just going in and just killing everybody. It would have been a lot easier to win World War II if the objective was to kill everybody. Because we had the ability. That wasn't the objective. The objective was to eliminate the evil that was causing the war. When you eliminate the evil causing the war, then you can reestablish things. And it's the same thing in people's lives. You're not fighting the people we just talked about. You're not fighting them. You're fighting an evil. Our weapon of warfare, uh, our weapons of warfare are for battle against evil, not each other. Romans 12, 21. Don't, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't be overcome with evil. When you return evil for evil, you have been overcome with evil. When you return evil for evil, you are, you are now overcome with it. And, and Paul said to the church, don't, don't do that. He said, when, you know, overcome that evil with good. Paul said that there's three goods. There's three goods. Faith, hope, and love. Those are the three goods. The greatest good is what? It's love. That's how you're victorious. Overcome evil with love. You can be victorious in every battle when you first apply love as the weapon of choice. You can win every battle if you apply love. The problem is we have battles that we lose because love is not our first weapon of choice. <laughs> Sometimes it's to get back at a person. That's our first weapon of choice. Sometimes it's to be right. That's our first weapon of choice. You can be totally right and be totally wrong. You can be totally right, but be totally wrong. If you're not fighting that battle in love, but you're fighting it to get at somebody, to prove them wrong, to be, then you've totally missed the whole thing. You've totally missed the whole boat. That's what war is really about in the spiritual realm. It's loving those. You know, Jesus, it never made sense to me as a kid for Jesus to say, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, yep, that, that sounds good. But, you know, love those uh, and care for those and kiss those that spitefully use you and wrongfully and say bad things about you. That made no sense to me as a kid. I still have difficulty with it. Somebody that wants to abuse you, love them. Somebody wants to, you don't allow them to abuse you. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. You don't allow them to do those things. What you do is you love them through those things because it's not them that's the things. It's things that are in them that need to be removed. That's what warfare is really about. And so let me just say this. Love's not a feeling. Love is not a feeling. Y'all remember that song? Well, some of you won't. There was a song <laughs> about feelings. Well, you know, 
feelings. I'm not going to sing it. That's it. That's all you got. That's the only note I could hit. I didn't hit that one. Huh? Richie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take it that Darren listened to country music. <laughs> Worship is, uh, love is not, it's, it's a choice. Love is a choice. You choose to love. Strength, yes. Yeah. Change love into a different. Yeah. Here's the thing, Jesse, you made a point, and Bishop wants to make it, but I think I'm going to make it is that love and affection aren't the same thing. Many of us think love is a feeling. Yep. Hook, hooked on a feeling. You remember that one? Hooked on a feeling. I am believing that you're in love with me. Hooked on a feeling. That's the problem with most people in the world today. They're hooked on a feeling. You know what? My wife chooses to love me sometimes when she doesn't feel like it. She doesn't have a feeling about it because that's not what love is. Love's not a feeling. Love's a choice. And love goes beyond a feeling. All of you, when you got first got married, and you, yeah, you know, I know, y'all had those feelings. You thought you were in love. I'm not going to say the rest of it. You figure that out. You learned over time what love was really about, because you you learn things about your mate that you didn't know until after the marriage, and then the marriage is secured. Now you're learning things. Whoa, oh, uh, 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 wait a minute. I really had a feeling of love here, but now I'm getting a feeling this ain't the right thing here. Yeah, you just don't go by feelings. Love is something that's continually worked on. It's continually, that's why we're commanded, because here's the thing about being, we make it a choice, and it is a choice in our life, but God commanded it because we have difficulty in the choice. And so God gives us a little nudge. If you can't love your neighbor and you can't love your brother, you can't love God, Jesus said. It's not possible. It's not possible because love is not a feeling. Did any of you, have you ever, don't raise your hand, don't shake your head. Have you ever, ever lose that feeling sometimes of love? You ever, don't, don't, some of you are laughing, you're giving it away. Yeah. 
I like what Bishop said. I don't like, I don't even like me most of the time, much less love me. How do I expect you to love me and like me all the time? Because it's not, it's something we choose to do. It's just like worship. Worship is something you choose to do. Worship's not commanded. It's the one thing God says, I want from you freely. It's something you choose to do. Anytime you don't worship, you're making a choice. Anytime you do worship, you're making a choice. This is all part of the spiritual warfare. This is all part of the... So in today's generation, the new generation, the existing generation has been taught or conditioned to believe feelings are what we measure things by. Feelings is what we operate by. If you don't believe me, you need to get in the business world. Just get out in the business world. And how many, I can remember 20 years ago in the business world that decisions were made in a business because of the facts. And this is what causes this to happen. And now people make business decisions based on how they feel about it. How many of you ever bought a car because you felt good about it? I did. I felt, I felt, I like that look of that car. You ever bought a lemon? Y'all know what a lemon is, right? It's a vehicle that's not uh, happening. <laughs> we, we, we do things and we purchase and y'all know what buyer's remorse is, right? You had a feeling. That's why you have buyer's remorse. Yeah, you had a feeling. That's why you purchase something. If you purchase it on facts, if you purchased it on facts, you're not going to have buyer's remorse. How do I know that? Because I was in retail for a long time, and they teach you certain things. You want people to purchase on feeling, not facts. Because people purchase more on feeling than they do facts. Because facts makes you think. Understand this about this warfare thing. There are facts, scriptural facts, not feelings that we live by and that we are in this warfare with. There are facts that God laid out for us that if we will do. A simple fact, just mentioned it. You can't love your brother, you can't love me. Simple fact. You know, don't go in, go, go in war saying, you know, uh, I'm really only fighting this for me. Because your guy next to you, when he figures that out, he's not covering you anymore. He's not covering you back anymore. That's done. If you're in it for you, you got to be in it for them. Paul tells Timothy, that part of the end times characteristic in people will be that they have love, they're lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Can I put it in today's? Paul said, Timothy, the people in the end times are going to be hooked on a feeling. Lovers of pleasure. What the pleasure? That's all about feelings. It's all, we, you know, I had a lot of pleasure yesterday watching football. There was a lot of feeling going on there. There's no facts related to it, it's just a game. You know what? After it was over, do you know what Pastor Don gained out of watching that football game? Absolutely nothing but a feeling. The team I wanted to win won, and I had a good feeling about it. But you know what today? That feeling's gone. Matter of fact, that, that school is in South Carolina. Matter of fact, I don't even know any of those. I know of them. Uh, I know the quarterback, but I don't even know those people. Matter of fact, we've never had dinner. We've never went out on the town together. We never went hunting together. We've never fished together. None of those people that gave me that feeling yesterday have done anything in my life, nor do they care to. 
If they did, they would have called me. They don't even know me. Yeah, hey, Larry. Yeah, didn't happen. That's because I was living on a feeling. Listen, never forget it's spiritual war, not physical feeling war. And we need to, I'm going to finish with this. I got about a minute. Is that we need one another. It's imperative that you understand that regardless of how spiritual you think you are, you need the person next to you. It's imperative. One of the things the Greek army, if you've seen the movie 300, you understand it. What they did was they had these big shields and they had spears and the spears were made for jousting and the shield was not to protect themselves. It was to protect the man next to them. So the guy next to you, shield protected you and your shield protected him. And so we have to understand that in this war and warfare, we've got to have one another. I need your shield. I need your spear. I need you to be there. Listen, as long as Moses' hands were up, what's that a sign of? Yeah, he wasn't surrendering to nobody but God. But him holding that rod and holding his hands up was that, that, that is a, everything in the Old Testament is a type of shadow of things in the New Testament. It was a surrender of worship to God. It was a surrender to God, not to the enemy. But, but when his, his hands got tired and went down, they got, and, and so, yeah, man, the things, the Amalekites were winning when his arms and hands got, went down. Uh, so Moses was very fortunate. He had an Aaron and he had a Hur. He had, he had somebody that would, when his arms got tired, when his hands got tired, they recognized that the battle was being lost. And in, they didn't run down and fight the battle. They pushed the hands back up. It's important. We need one another. Joshua overcame the Amalekites. Joshua in the fight, physical, overcame the Amalekites with a sword. Joshua fights while Moses prays. And the only way Joshua wins is if Moses prays. And the only way Moses prays is if Aaron and Hur are holding them up. You, you see, they all enjoyed the victory. But Joshua was, was down here. Moses was right here. And Aaron and Hur were like, and they held his hands up until the sun went down. They, we, got, we need one another. You understand sometimes that pastor gets weary and tired. I understand sometimes that you get weary and tired because we're all in this fight together. And so when that happens, I need to be aware. You know, aren't, aren't, isn't it great for Israel that Aaron and her were very aware about what was going on with Moses? Don't you think? These were men. Don't you think that they were standing on that hill watching this fight going, ooh, yeah, man, look at that guy. That is real. That warrior, man, they, they, were, they were cheering their guys on. But they were tuned in to Moses. And that's, that's the thing that we have to be. We have to cheer one another on. But we have to be tuned in to one another as well. That's part of the spiritual war that we're in. And I'll finish with this. They shared together in the victory. Listen, it, does, it makes no difference how emotionally or physically strong you think you are. It makes no difference how, how strong you think you are. You're going to get weary. It's going to happen. And we need one another. We, we need to have the, the, the strength of others in our lives. 
the more spiritual a war is, the more tired you're going to get. It doesn't say Joshua got tired at all. But he was the one down there. But it didn't say him. he didn't get tired at all. It was the man praying that got tired. Understand that this is so spiritual. Sometimes we think because we're in the battle and we're in the fight and we're doing all this stuff. And you know what? We're not getting tired. Why is that? Because that's not really the battle. The battle is really in the spirit realm. Moses was fighting a war far greater than Joshua could imagine. So our responsibility as the church is to just have this effectual, fervent prayer for one another. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Man, there's times when I need your effectual, fervent prayer. And why is that? Because I know that as a righteous people, and you're only made righteous by Jesus Christ, but I know this about you, because I have some of you say, I've been praying for you this week. Do you know what that does for me? And I felt it during the week. It makes me realize, you know what, there, there's a much availing going on here. God, here's a prayer, much availing going on in my life, because not anything I'm doing is someone else. So you're in a war. I'm in a war. Don't get hung up on your battles. If you get a victorious battle, shout the victory. Shout the triumph, move forward. If you fall down in a battle, you know what? Get up. I fell down. Here I go. Go again. Go again. God bless you this morning. Anybody have any? Yeah. You've already won it. Yeah. Good. Good. Anybody? Let's take a break. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.